Well, today we are kicking off Relationship Masterclass. How many of you that are in a relationship could use a little help in your relationships today? How many of you would say the person that you are in a relationship with could use a little help today? Some of you are like, oh yes, <laughs> yes and amen, they need all the help. Well, the whole goal of this series is to give you some tools and to help you navigate this really tricky thing we call relationships. You see, in the very first book of the Bible, God set out to start creating things. And he created heaven and earth, and he called it good. And he created land and sea and called it good. And he created birds and animals and trees and plants and called it all good. And then he created man and said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he created a helper for man because we are meant to live in community. We need each other. We need people in our lives. We need relationships. And the right relationships, they can be so life-giving. They can be full of joy and, and power, and they can move you forward, and they can even open doors to you that you maybe wouldn't be able to get to on your own without relationships. But when a relationship is not clicking, or when, when it gets off, or it's in a season of, of weirdness, you know, it can consume you. It can take up all of your thoughts. It can make you do some really crazy things. It can make you respond in ways that you will later have to ask for forgiveness for because relationships are tricky. They're hard to navigate. And when I was thinking about this series and what I wanted to share with you, I kept thinking about one of my favorite verses found in Jeremiah. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning and you want to turn there, it's Jeremiah chapter 17. If you don't have your Bibles with you, we will have the words on your screen. But this is what it says in verses 7 and 8. It says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is him, in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Jeremiah is giving us a picture of a tree that is in an environment that um, it, should not, it should make health and growth impossible. It's hot, but the tree still stays green. It's dry, but the tree is still bearing fruit. You see, that tree was planted by water that sends out its roots into the streams. And those roots, that's what's making the tree strong. Did you know that a tree's roots are always longer than its branches. So if you were to look at a tree, the widest branches on the tree, the roots go down at least two to three times longer than the widest branch. And so many times in my life, I think I'm more concerned about my branches and my blooms than I am about my roots. And if you don't have good roots, then your tree is never gonna survive harsh elements. See, I can get more concerned and worried about what everyone else thinks about me than I am my own roots. And you can fool a lot of people for a long time, but eventually, rotten roots will be found out. And I don't want to have rotten roots, because you know what rotten roots will bring you when the storm comes? Your tree will fall down. But you see, if I'm dug down deep when the year of drought comes, 
or when the heat comes, I can still have fruit because I have spent time working on my roots to make sure they're deep. And so in this series, I don't wanna just deal with the fruit issues. I wanna dig deeper and deal with the root of our relationships so that we can have healthy and strong foundations that will produce healthy fruit. And so I'm calling this message, not a football title, I'm calling this message Relationship Roots. Will you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you that um, it's the day that you've made and we can rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, I would just ask that you would be with each one of us, that our hearts and our ears would be open for what you have for us today, and God, that you would be with me, that I would speak what you have given to me. We thank you for it, Jesus, in your name, amen. Well, I love weddings. I'm a, I'm a wedding girl. Um, I like to go to weddings. I like to plan weddings. I like to watch weddings on TV. Even if I don't know you and you invited me to your wedding, I would go. Um, so it's really good based on the career path that my husband has chosen. I do get to go to a lot of weddings. And the other day, I went to lunch with a friend who is newly engaged, and she is blissfully planning her wedding. And we sat and we were talking and she was telling me all of her details and her plans. She asked me what my wedding was like, which caught me off guard. And I said, well, it's what you'd expect from, you know, 2003. Early weddings, early 2000 weddings, you know, they were different. But the truth is, I loved every part of my wedding. Even the part where my bridesmaid fainted. I loved my wedding. It was the happiest day of my life. And you know, of all of the things that make weddings great, my most favorite part of the wedding ceremony is when the pastor says, turn to each other and say your vows. You see, a vow is really a commitment. It's a promise you are making. And to make a promise, that's a big thing. Have you ever thought about what it means to make a promise? Sometimes when preachers get up, they will say something like, the word promise actually comes from the Latin word blah blah, which means blah blah blah. Well, I'm not a preacher, I'm just that woman today, and I struggle enough with my English words that I wasn't even going to attempt Latin, but I did look it up for you, and very simply put, promise means forward and send. So on your wedding day, when you turn to your person and you make a vow or a commitment or a promise, you're not making it for today. You don't need that promise in this moment because everything is perfect. What you are saying is, I'm making a declaration to you that I'm sending forward. I'm saying it now because there's gonna be some time in the future I'm gonna need this. A promise is a commitment that I'm sending into my future. So. When that time comes that there is tension, and when that time comes when I don't really like what you are saying or what you're doing or how you're acting or how you're treating me, or when I don't feel like being kind or offering forgiveness, when those times come, I've already predetermined in my heart that I'm staying. You see, I've put down some roots here. I'm rooted. I made a promise and I sent it into this moment that I wouldn't walk away. Because love is not a feeling. It is a choice you make. And relationships are work. Relationships are hard work. Sticking in it and working to get better, it's work. But it is so worth the hard work. 
Well, now that I've set it all up for us today, I feel like we can get into what we really need to accomplish. And I've got four things for you that if you can grab hold of them and get rooted in them, I believe the fruit will be evident in your relationship. And even if you are sitting in here today or you're joining us from home don't, and you're not married, don't, don't tune me out. Don't think, mm, this doesn't apply to me because maybe someday you'll want to be married and bringing the best you to the relationship will be the best thing you can do. Or maybe you're like, you know what, like I, I have no plans to get married. Marriage is not for me. I'm a bachelor to the rapture. Well, you go, you do that, that's great. But you do have other relationships. You have people in your life that you can speak into and you have things that you can learn because this is the thing about God's word. It's alive and true and it applies to everything. So even if I'm referencing marriage and you're not married, you can still apply these truths to your life and to the relationships you're in. So number one, the first commitment you can make to have thriving relationships where your relationship roots go down deep and produce good fruit is this. Be rooted in Jesus. Make a commitment that Jesus will be at the center of your life. Not just part of your life, not just what you do on Sunday or when you need help. Keep him the center of your life. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This verse is taken out of a passage that's saying all the things that we worry about, food and drink and clothing and shelter, all of these things, Jesus has a way of taking care of it. He does it for the birds and, and the fields, so why wouldn't he do it for us? See, all we need to do is put Jesus first, and he handles the rest. One of the greatest commitments you can make in your relationship is to be rooted in Jesus. One of the greatest things you can be looking for in a future relationship is asking the question, is Jesus at the center? And you know, and to get Jesus at the center of your relationship, he has to be the center of your life. If you don't have your own personal thriving relationship with Christ, you'll never be able to come together and have, have a relationship that's centered on Christ. You can't ride the coattails of others' faith. You have to have your own relationship with Christ first. And here's why you have to be rooted in Christ. Because if you are not, you will have two opposite filters in how you view everything. Your finances, your parenting, your worldview, how you handle disagreements. If you are not rooted in Jesus, you will have a lot of tension in your marriage. And single people, I can, I can tell you this, especially, especially single girls. If they aren't rooted in Jesus before you say, I do, what makes you think that it's going to change after you say, I do? Do you know that one of the first things that attracted me to my husband, after his mesh football jersey, of course, was he talked about Jesus. Our first conversation at the Super 8 Motel, we'll get there later, he brought Christ into it. And not in a weird way. It's just a way that was evident that he was a guy who loved Jesus and he was setting out to pursue Jesus with all of his heart. And Jesus is attractive. So if you're sitting here single today or joining us online and you keep thinking like, I wish I could find someone like that, 
Will you just keep serving Jesus and loving him and making him the center of your life and God will bring the right one at the right time? Well, what about the couples who are already married? Maybe you came into a relationship, a Christ follower, or you became one after you'd been married a bit. What do you do then? You know, is it, is it too late for us? No, it's not. Because the great thing about God is that his mercies are new every morning, and great is his faithfulness. So if you are married to someone who doesn't have a relationship with Christ, where he or she is not rooted in God, you just keep showing up. You just keep loving them and honoring them and praying for them. Don't give up on them. And don't nag them or guilt them or shame them. You can never debate anyone to Jesus. You just stay rooted in your relationship with Christ and let the fruit of your life speak louder than the voice, than your voice and how you love your spouse. Be rooted in Jesus. And the second thing today is be rooted in pursuit. Be rooted in pursuit. Do you remember the lengths you would go to when you were dating your spouse just to be together? You know, there was nothing you wouldn't do just to be with the one you were after. I mean, guys, you would like show up with flowers. You would send text messages. Girls, you'd put on actual pants wash your hair. I mean, you'd go to all kinds of lengths to be with the one you loved. Well, when my husband and I met, it is, it is really a long story, and I just don't have time today to like get into all the details that would help you understand what I'm about to tell you. But this is the cone of no judgment, so no judging. And, okay, I'll just tell you. Well, we did meet in my hometown, Independence, Iowa, at the Super 8 Motel. I worked there at the front desk, and I called myself the front desk manager. It was just a self-proclaimed title, but it sounds better than saying I worked the front desk. And he came to town with a company um, that resurfaced concrete floors, and they were staying at the hotel. Now, I wish I could be like, oh, it was God that brought us together. But the only other option in town of hotels was the Rush Park Inn. And so judging on the name, you would pick Super 8 too, right? So he was staying there, and he was there for about two weeks, and we spent every single moment we could together in those two weeks between his work and my work. And, you know, like I would sneak around. <laughs> I would sneak to the back of the hotel to, like, see him when I wasn't working so my boss wouldn't catch me, and he would, like, walk to the end of the parking lot. We were, Reese, you were never allowed to date. We, we did whatever to like be together. And we spent all this time. And in the midst of those two weeks, I determined that this man was going to be the father of my children. Now, I didn't tell him that because that's crazy. But I know he was definitely feeling the same way about me because when it was time for the job to be done and him to go, to leave, he said, hey, I was thinking, you know, I have to go down to southern Iowa to pack up my belongings, and I'm going to go up to northern, or I'm going to go up to Minnesota to see my parents, and, you know, I'm here, and they're there, so, and you live here, so it's kind of on the way. It was not on the way at all. But you know by him saying that, it was basically a marriage proposal, right? I mean, 
he wanted me as much as I wanted him. So we had a plan, and he was going to call me. And you have to remember that in 2000, things were a lot different. For instance, we didn't have cell phones. He didn't even have a phone. Like, he had no place he was living. He was living with his boss, so he didn't actually have a phone. But we had this plan that he was going to call me at, at this certain time. And one thing led to another, and one thing happened, and he called, and I missed the call. Like, I was not home. It wasn't a guaranteed time of when he was going to call, but I wasn't home, and I was devastated that I missed his call. And maybe a little bit desperate. See, I couldn't let the father of my children get away, so I did the most logical thing I could think of. I made up an excuse to my boss so that I could look up Justin's boss's reservation card on the computer at the hotel, and I found the number and I called it, looking for Justin, and he was there. <laughs> and I needed to pursue this boy, and you know what? You're welcome, because if I hadn't, none of you would be here. So don't think I'm nuts, think I was looking out for you. But when we're in that first deep infatuation stage, you will go to extremes to pursue one another. And as the relationship progresses, sometimes we take the posture of, I caught you. I got you. No need to keep pursuing you. And that's so unfortunate. You know what? He's got me. I'm not going anywhere. But sometimes I like to play hard to get just for the fun of it. I like to be pursued. And being rooted in pursuit, it's a good thing. Look what it says in Proverbs 14, verse 23 from the message. It says, hard work pays off. Mere talk puts no bread on the table. In other words, if you pursue your spouse, it will benefit you. If you want the relationship roots to be strong, pursuit has to continue after you say I do. After you've got careers and kids and, and demands of life, and you figure out what it means to say, I'm really busy. Pursuit isn't remember the good old days. It isn't remember when we used to go on dates or take fun little getaways. It's actually taking the time and saying, I'm pursuing you, so all of this other stuff can wait for a bit. All of this can be put off till tomorrow so that I can invest in you, so that we can invest in each other. And guys, it's not just the pursuit of romance that we want. We want to be pursued as an individual. You see, I love it when my husband asks me, what are you thinking? What are your thoughts on this? Give me your perspective. When he invites me into his world, I love that. When he pursues my feelings, when he works to understand why I have these feelings, and even if he can't understand it, he pursues empathy for my feelings while I'm working on them. From the day you said I do to the day you are at now, you have grown and you have changed. You've matured. You've experienced more life. And recognizing that your spouse has done the same allows you to continue to grow and evolve in your relationship. So keep pursuing at every stage and, and work to know and understand each other. And guys, if you do all that, the, remote, the romantic pursuit, that's just, that's easy. That's mere bread on the table. Keep pursuing forgiveness. Keep pursuing kindness and peace in your relationship. And in the process of pursuit, remind yourself what love is. Remind yourself that love is patient. 
And love is kind, and it's not dishonoring, and it keeps no records of wrong. And love protects and trusts, and it never gives up. When you stay rooted in pursuit, you can navigate the hard seasons. You can walk through the times in your relationships when you are tired and you do not have energy. You can say, I'm still going to pursue you. You know, even if you are in a funk for, for months, I'm going to keep loving you and encouraging you and supporting you because, you know what, I want to get on the other side of this with you. You've got to keep the pursuit. You see, relationships still either grow by design or by default. And when you grow by default, you're kind of just letting life happen to you. you you'll grow apart. But when you grow by design, you are intentional about your relationship to grow together. Continually pursuing means we are growing by design. We've got a plan for this. We've got a strategy for this. You will spend all kinds of time and energy planning for our money and our future and our retirement. And all of that is great. And you should do that. But do we ever take time to stop and plan for our relationship? Plan what it'll be like in 10 years, in 15 years, when all the kids are gone and it's just you and me. Do we plan for that? Which is more important, how much money you have in the bank or going the distance with the one that God gave you to love? See, we need to grow by design. And number three, this one is so important. We need to be rooted in purity. Make a commitment to protect the purity of your relationship. Now, when we hear purity, we often think about it protecting our purity before our marriage, before the relationship. And you should absolutely do that. And if you don't know what I mean, Pastor Justin will explain it to you next week. But married couples, you have a responsibility to each other to protect the purity of your marriage. How can you have your, your relationship rooted in purity? Well, you set up boundaries and safeguards because the enemy, he's crafty. And he knows that if he can get just a little foot in, then he can get a little bit more in and a little bit more in until he's completely in and destroyed your marriage. He won't do it all at once. He'll do it little by little so you won't even see it coming. Hebrews 13, 4 says, Give honor to the marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. You see, everyone in your life should honor your marriage. It should be esteemed as something valuable. And there are people in your life, if there are people in your life that don't see your marriage and honor it and value it, then, then you need to move them out of your life. You need to put some boundaries up. You need to protect the purity of your marriage. And what does that, what does that practically look like? Well, wives, how about not tearing down your husband? You know, telling your girlfriends or your sisters or your mom all of the things that he does that irritate you? Newsflash, ladies. Anyone who has a husband knows they're annoying. I think on their wedding day, they're given the how to annoy your wife handbook. You do things that are annoying, okay? Like, it's just a thing. But guess what? So do you. I have recently been made aware of a few things that I do that are annoying. And if my husband's mom knew about them, I would be mortified. 
if my husband's friends knew about them or his circle of workers knew about them, I would be mortified. So why does it make it okay for me to go and tell all of his stuff? The best way to not let others speak into your private marriage business is to not discuss your private marriage business. And as I say this, there are times when wise counsel is needed. If you are in an abusive relationship or an unhealthy relationship, it would be good to listen to those close to you. Or if you're in a place where all you're doing is fussing and fighting with one another, then of course you need to seek help. There's some work we need to do here. And any one of our pastors here would be willing to help you and we can get you connected with great counselors. But don't do further damage to your relationship by going to the wrong people. Here's another example of boundaries that can be set to keep your relationship rooted in purity. We live in a time where we are so connected, where it is easy to be connected with one another. And there is no reason to be friends with or to look up your ex on social media and reconnect with them. No reason for that at all. You've got to have roots of purity. We've got to guard our marriage. And the enemy, he's here for it. So he's ready to set out and destroy. He'll convince you it's just one DM. It's just one text message. It's just harmless flirting. There's nothing wrong with that. He knows I'm married. No, no reason for it. No reason to say, it's just one movie. It's just one picture, not hurting anyone. (laughs) I'm watching it with my spouse so we can spice it up. It's okay. Are you kidding me? That is a horrible idea. The marriage bed should be kept pure. What's that mean? Between you and your spouse. You two talk about it. You two enjoy it. Nobody else. Don't entertain those thoughts. If you're struggling, talk to your spouse about it because protecting the purity of your relationship has to be top priority. And if you've messed up in this area, don't hide it. Proverbs 28.13 says, Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. If you've blown it, it's not too late. First thing, go to God and ask for forgiveness. Second thing, go to your spouse. Go to a counselor together. Do the work to repair what was broken. It's going to be hard, and it's going to take a whole lot of effort, but if you come at it the right way, there is always mercy. Last one, if we want our relationship roots to grow down deep so that it will produce fruit, we've got to commit to being rooted together. You see, we don't just stick together because that's the thing we, we do. Our foundation for marriage has to be more than I've got tenacity. It's more than I'm not a quitter. When you get up and you promise your life one to another, something much more powerful happens. Look with me at Matthew 19, verses 5 and 6. It says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. This is why we commit to be rooted together. 
You see, God created marriage unlike any other relationship that he created. It's no longer two separate people. It's dying to yourself and becoming one flesh that no one can separate. You see, I don't stay in my marriage and make that kind of commitment just because I don't like to quit. No, I'm making the commitment to be rooted together because God supernaturally ordained you and I, and when we said yes to each other, he created this fusion of two people. In that moment, something holy took place, a covenant commitment between the two of us and God. And God said, what I put together, no one else did this. It was God who joined you together. He said, let no one, no one tear it apart. No one from the outside, God forbid, no one from the inside. See, I'm not giving the commitment that I'm in this with you just because, just because. It's because God put it together and what God put together, who am I to tear it apart? You see, a promise is something that I send into the future, a commitment that I make because I'm going to need it sometime in the future because there's going to be moments in our relationship where it's hard. There's going to be moments where we're just button heads and not seeing eye to eye. We have to remember, oh, I sent, I sent a promise for this moment. I, I promise that I'm staying in it because I want to be rooted together with you. And I know some of you today, you've been on the receiving end of a broken promise. That the thing that God put together, they destroyed it. And I want you to know that if it's, that's you, that as I've said already, his mercies are new every morning. And today is a great day to forgive. Today, is a great day to release what you've been holding on to. Today is a great day to start fresh, to start again. And speaking of starting again, today is a great day to start again in a relationship with Jesus. For some of you, you've, you've had religion. You've checked the box. You've come to church. You do the things, but the passionate, consuming Jesus first, Jesus over everything relationship that has never been your encounter. And today, I would love for you to have that opportunity. Whether you are here in the room with us or you are joining us online, I would ask that right now you would take a posture of, of prayer, of going before our Father and, and offering privacy to those around you. You see, the Bible tells us that we've all sinned. This is not meant to condemn you or to make you feel bad. We're all in the same boat. It's the reality of the human condition right now. And the payment of sin is death. It's what we've earned. But the gift of God is eternal life. So you have a choice that you can make today. You can choose to stick with what you've earned or you can receive the gift. And the gift is eternal life through Jesus. It's not your good works. It's not what you've done. We can't earn our way to salvation. The way you receive it is by faith. We confess with our mouth and we believe with our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. 
and we will be saved. And life is better when we put Jesus in the first place.